Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out our show on FanDuel TV. That is Through the Ringer. And in case you didn't know, Kyle does the audio on Through the Ringer, so it's our show. I shouldn't say my show. It's our show on FanDuel TV. And guess what? We're adding more of our favorite people to the family. That is right. Cousin Sal. He's not my cousin, but he is America's cousin. We all love Cousin Sal, and he is going to be on the show Monday nights. Okay, so the show comes out on Tuesday mornings, but Monday nights, we are watching Monday Night Football together at Spotify HQ downtown Los Angeles. Sal is making the drive in, and we're going to watch the games. We're going to record right after the games, and on Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time, you can see... FanDuel TV, or you can go to Spotify TV and watch Through the Ringer, and there's a bunch of great shows. Sal has two new shows right now you can go watch. Wise Guys is a great show. Bill Simmons is also on that show. So we're, we're very happy to have Cousin Sal back in the fold. I'm even happier to announce that he is going to be on the show with me throughout the NFL season. So I'm fired up. Sal's fired up. We're going to have a great time. We even got Michael Ciccoli, the son of Parlay Kid, helping this. So it's a family affair. It's going to be great. Please tune in. We appreciate everyone watching, and uh, we're going to have some fun times together. So go check that out right now. It is through the ringer. It'll be on Tuesday mornings and uh, it will be with cousin Sal all throughout the NFL season. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the state farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a state farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor state farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are back and we have Kyle Mann in the building to dissect and break down all the winners and losers of the World Cup. Spoiler alert, Team USA, big loser. Uh, but we'll talk about why it's not the worst thing in the world and how we're going to figure out the future and how LeBron James is going to help us build a dream team again. Uh, I don't know what the term is going to be for this one. We've had the dream team. We've had the redeem team. This is the Third strike. We'll see what happens. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some of the hottest storylines in college basketball that are happening right now. The Candid Coaches Series just came out with Gary Parrish, who we just had on the show before, and Matt Norlander. So we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I'm back from Italy. Took a week away. Went to a wedding. Did some things I never thought I would do in my life. I'm from Henderson, North Carolina. And if you don't know what Henderson, North Carolina is, this is how I can explain it to you. It's not Hendersonville, North Carolina, which is a very nice place in the mountains. So um, happy to have that happen. Uh, shout out to my friends, Raleigh and Alex, for getting married. Um, shout out to you guys for being patient with us while we took a break away for a week, and we're happy to be back. Kyle is here. I'm here. I'm back in L.A. We got Cousin Sal tonight on Through the Ringer after Monday Night Football. It's going to be a fun day for us uh, in the Ringer universe. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? I got to finish activating these burner accounts so I can get back to defending Mac Jones and that awesome loss <laughs> to Philadelphia. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. The timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, it is September 11th, and I am sitting here on a Zoom call back in Los Angeles after my long travels. I was out for a week, and I am looking at Kyle Mann, and it feels good to talk about basketball. Maybe not American basketball. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but first and foremost, Kyle Mann, it's great to be back with you, man. 
Yeah. Who has traveled more this summer than you, Tate? I mean, like Carmen Sandiego over here. Where is he? He's uh, I I felt like you were at like Lucas Matson's villa in some of the photos I was seeing. You know, you get the aerial shot. You're really curating a social media presence that is like (laughs) uh, it's cultivating like envy. You're doing you're doing this thing where I'm just like, is is he Drake? Like where where is he? We get you wearing like linen shirts, you know, with, uh, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. I, it, how was Italy, though? I've never been over there. Did you have, did you have a good time? Are you nice and fat and full from your trip or? Yeah, exactly. Or what's up? It's good to have friends in high places. You know what I mean? Uh, especially college friends that chose the right professions that make money like <laughs> Lucas Matson, And then they have great weddings. And luckily, if you stay friends with them, folks, you might just get invited. Um, now, you might be paying back all the debt from the trip for years to come, but that's OK. We don't we don't have to worry about that. But, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, my girlfriend's first time going to Italy. So we went to Rome. Um, we went to, to Florence. You know, Florence, one of my favorite cities. That was the second or third time I've been back and then uh, went to Como, which was my first time. And like you said, Succession, that's where they shot all the mats and stuff when uh, Kieran Culkin is on the boat, right? That We took a boat to the wedding. It was, I felt like I was at George Clooney's wedding. Um, the, luckily for me, I have Michael Lombardi in my life who literally the region where Como is in Milan is called Lombardi. So he called me when I was there and he's like, go to this restaurant, do this, do that. And I'm like, I don't have, you know, there are plans. It's a wedding. I, I have no time to do anything with my own autonomy. But it's also, like I said, nice to have friends in high places and uh, it's nice to go where they go sometimes. And uh, it was beautiful. But um, the one thing I will point out for everyone, if you were big into like Roman, um, you know, like the history, like of ancient Rome, right? When you go to the Roman Forum and the Colosseum, we did all that. Um, my tour guide was this Italian lady and she basically broke the fourth wall with me, Kyle, man. <laughs> and she was explaining the Roman Forum. And she's like, well, so in 1100 AD, this was all just cow pasture. Um, It was actually the worst part of the entire city and nobody wanted to come down here. And then like basically during the Renaissance, like it was like a artistic, like, you know, beckoning to go back to to excavate the whole thing and and to build out what was ancient Rome. And then Mussolini was really big back uh, trying to build out the tourism. So like I, I did. I, I guess in my stupid American brain, you thought like all of these ruins were just like here and 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 had been there, and they just kind of had you know had their own little calling. But a lot of this stuff was built at different times throughout history and kind of made into like a a living museum, and it's an yeah. active uh, scene, you know, with archaeologists working there. But anyway, she broke the fourth wall, and then she's like, "That actually was put in in 1850," and I'm like, "I don't need. I don't need to hear that. Just like <laughs> keep it dumb for me. Like I want to know that. It, I want to think it's just been here." sitting around. Um, so that was hilarious having that moment in time. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a, a lot about, uh, you know, how things work with, with history and how tourism uh, has a lot to do with some of these things in the background. I learned about the capitalism, right, of, uh, sure. of what's happening over there in Rome. So that was funny. Um, and then, yeah, I had a great trip. And the entire time I actually watched Italy play uh, USA in basketball. Uh, with a couple Italian guys who were were in the bar with us, and they were talking to me about uh, USA basketball. They hated Paolo Bencaro, by the way. Um, mad at very, him. Mad at him. Mad at him. Mad at this man. Um, so the Italians, they are aware that they have been, um, you know, the, defied the opportunity to have a superstar in Paolo Bencaro, and they're not happy about it. So they were, they were, you know, prognosticating an upset before the game started. Obviously, the USA handled business against Italy, but we'll talk about the the lack of business they handled otherwise. But Italy's a beautiful place. You got to go. We should all go um, and watch some basketball over there because there were some great fans. Like they were watching the World Cup. That's what I also learned that the international fans turns out they like the World Cup a lot. 
did they see you like pumping your fist? I'm curious. No, like, what, I, I, was it like, I, I was trying to act like I was, you know, you know, just like a, an expat. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, stick my neck out too much. I, I just wanted them to, I, I was like, I love the game. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, whoever wins wins, you know what I mean? Right. But deep down, I, you know, I am the nationalist that I am when it comes to USA basketball. So I was fired up and Paolo Bencaro, you made yeah. the right decision. You know what I mean? That's what I kept thinking in the back of my mind, but I didn't want to upset these people in their own country. Uh, but yeah, it was a great moment in time. Um, and then it was not all of a sudden with USA basketball. So let's start there because, you know, I, I talked to our boss, Bill Simmons, when I was over there, cause he was like, he had the same thing you had going on. He's like, who the hell are you with? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, calm down. Like, let, let me give you some context. And then also let's talk about American basketball. And he was like, you need to do winners and losers of the world cup. Let's break it down. So I, and I think we could do that, but let's just do the grand statement. The biggest loser um, shout out to the the reality show that once was the biggest loser is USA basketball, American basketball. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's start there, Kyle, man. We we were worried. We were anxious. There was a lot of haters early on in the conversations about this team, this construction. And now they leave. We're at the end. They have no medal. They have not had a medal in the World Cup since 2014. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, it's, uh, I guess it's you can... It's it's hard to get too terribly bent out of shape about it, mainly just because we know uh, what well, how depre- it depends on how depressed you want to get about the fact that the world <laughs> is caught up with us. Like right. I, I don't, I think it's ultimately a good thing. You know, whenever you're an innovator, whenever you're ahead of something, to continue to be good at it, you have to continue to evolve. You know, you can't just be what you were and stay that way. Um, you know, and, and for for the U.S., you know, obviously it was invented in Canada. They're very sensitive about that. And I'm glad that they got their big win <laughs> over over us for that reason. Uh, you know, but but fostered and, and, and matured in the US. We were ahead. And you know, over the over the decades here, I think they were just in the in their like need to adapt uh sty- stylistically. They just kind of had they were ahead of us in terms of like concepts about like shooting bigs and things like that. But in this tournament, what I thought was interesting was that like it honestly seemed like perimeter physicality and size killed us, you know, like, Mm. like, I, you know, I thought overall, I I thought that was the thing that jumped out the most to me about the Canada thing was just that like their backcourt just seemed more physical defensively than ours. You know, if you thought about the, you thought about the Shea thing, you think about Dylan Brooks, you think about, uh, you know, Dort, even RJ Barrett is in there now. Um, I just, I just thought they seemed to have a pretty big like physicality uh, advantage over us because in our effort to get our like scoring guards in the game, like the Brunsons, the Anthony Edwards, the people like that, we ended up doing a trade off that really hurt us. I think you know, I feel like some of our primary guys are not super pass first, other than Halliburton. Um, I don't know. I, I just think in the future, it's just going to come down to who who we bring because it's fixable, right? You know, if our top guys play. It's very fixable. I think we're okay. I don't think that's controversial at all. Yeah, lack of size, lack of playmakers, right? That's really what it came down to. And that's, you know, the takeaway from everyone as they watch this team. And it started with the Lithuania game, right? Lithuania came out. Um, you know, you had Braz Dacus, obviously we remember from Michigan. Um, they had a nice, you know, kind of just heroic national moment where it was like, oh my God, uh, you know, the, the Balkan boys are here. They're not afraid of the USA. They're sticking their tongues out at Austin Reeves, right? It was it was kind of like this statement being sent a little bit. And then they follow up, they win the group, they go to the next round, and then they just get blown out by Bogdanovich, right? I mean, they just get absolutely rocked. And then when I saw that happen, I was I started to worry. I was like, okay, I think USA 
might be in some trouble in this tournament. And I know a lot of people are trying to figure out who the fall guy is on this team, right? Everyone's trying to point the finger and say, this is the reason why. Um, whether it be Grant Hill for the roster construction, again, like we we talked about, this is his first time putting a team together. Um, he was in charge of the roster construction. Uh, is it Steve Kerr? A lot of, um, you know, people that are in the Warriors bubble that, you know, like to get mad about Steve Kerr and blame him for everything. They were very loud during this tournament trying to blame Steve Kerr. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who averaged about 2.4, I think, at the end, rebounds per game. Um, a lot of people were upset and saying he was the issue. Our guy, Kevin O'Connor, was pointing out that JJ Triple J is actually better at the four instead of the five, but Steve Kerr never really used him at the four. He's pretty much, you know, strictly used him at the five. So there was a lot of, like, blame to go around. But I think as soon as Lithuania broke the seal, everyone else in the world was like, it's open season, right? I mean, it, it is time to attack these guys. Let's use our physicality. Let's see how these guys really want to play basketball with us. And, and, and let's put them to the test. And as soon as that we got put to the test, I just felt like we were tight. And, and that is, you know, the reality of the situation. That's the reality of the World Cup. So I actually went back and looked at the history of the World Cup. So the U.S. has won five World Cups. USSR has won three. Yugoslavia has won three. We have the most World Cups, but we have had a 32-year drought before in the World Cup, and that was from 1954 to 1986. And what mm -hmm. happened um, in 1986 after that long drought when the USSR and Yugoslavia basically were just trading off World Cups, we said, let's stack the deck. Let's create super teams. Let's get what would eventually be the dream team in 1992, right? That is what the USA did. Um, and it kind of happened again in 2004. It's let's stack the decks. Let's make sure that we reassert our dominance. And now you've won, you know, four straight Olympic gold medals. And it seems like based on the news today that LeBron James is doing what he's the best at. He's going to try to build another super team. He's going to try to put together a group of, of USA basketball players that are going to go back and try to assert, reassert the dominance of USA basketball. But I, I found that fascinating where, we kind of, with the World Cup, let it go for a little while. Um, you know, in the Eastern European part of the world, dominated basketball, especially in the World Cup. And now it feels like, for whatever reason, it's back in the forefront. People now are saying, why aren't we winning these World Cups? We finished seventh in 2019. What's going on here? Um, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of figuring out. But I think we're just about to get back on, on the ship again. And we're about to try to reassert our dominance, which for me, as someone who loves USA basketball, I love it. So, I mean, as much as everyone wants to be up in arms about the result, I think this is best case scenario. So if you do end up beating Canada and you get a bronze medal, maybe there's some moral victories. Maybe people say this team overachieved. Maybe, you know, the the call that goes out, the bat, the bat signal, signal is not the same. I'll call it the bronze signal, right? We put out the bronze signal and now bronze saying, let's, let's load the wagons and let's go. And I think this is actually great for USA basketball. That was my big takeaway. A lot of people were like, you know, ah, throwing their fists in the sky. And I'm like, no, we needed to get smacked in the face. So we come back and we're better than ever. Yeah. It's sort of like that, that little bit of success can sort of create a longer term issue. Sort of like, I don't know, some UNC people seem to think that UNC's uh, success of getting to the title game might prolong a window. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, get you in uh, trouble no, here. Of course. <laughs> I mean, imagine if they won the title. I mean, it could be 10 years for all we know. Well, that, that can happen sometimes when, like, a coach maybe you don't feel great about, they sort of fall upwards into, like, Kevin a Ollie, win that right? maybe... Kev, that, Kev, yeah, UConn fans can relate to that wholeheartedly. They were like, why, why did this happen? <laughs> we would yeah. trade it back. 
Well, that one was easy to do. I guess there was such respect for Ollie that you gave him, you know, gave him that credit and sort of said, well, yeah, you know, he can coach. I, I thought for sure. Uh, well, you know, the w- if we'd gotten bronze, you know, maybe we don't get bronze. You know, that's oh. the kind of the thing here. And I thought and whenever you were talking about um, there's a little campaign for it. Uh, I don't know who would <laughs> uh, write that one up. But when you were talking about LeBron, I'm just like. I thought for sure you were going to say in typical LeBron fashion, he found a way to get a press release after something that didn't directly involve him because that's what he he's the king. He's like, OK, there's the 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 dunk contest just ended. What year was that? And they, they put out the press release. It was like LeBron is committed to next year's dunk contest. Sure enough, he, he rolls around. He that was 2009, that. right? That, yeah. that was like that was right around the time because Kobe had won in 08 and everyone's kind of transitioning. It was like Celtics, Lakers, LeBron's not in the conversation. And then he's like. Also, I will be doing the dunk contest, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that's our guy. He's back. He gets it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 just hilarious. But uh, I, I don't know. I guess the other thing about it too is just that there's no real direct comparison in the soccer world. If you think about like those are the two events that kind of run parallel to each other. It's like the prestige of the of the FIBA Cup is just not quite the same. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you can't you can't imagine in the World Cup. Now, I'm not going to act like I'm some soccer uh, expert. I, I don't know. I probably could p- very possibly be wrong about this, but you just can't. You couldn't imagine one of their national teams, their their best players not loading up because of the prestige of that event. Like it's the most important thing. Um, and it, it's just not quite the same thing for us. I, I And I feel like, you know, the, the grind of the business probably has something to do with that, too. Um, putting things, you know, what's worth it? Is it worth it for for such and such superstar to go in their in their offseason, in their time after the playoffs in where you go and you play hard? And it's it's not a cakewalk anymore. Also, either, you know, it's not yeah. like you it's not like Charles Barkley and Larry Bird and Pat Ewing sitting by the pool in Monte Carlo and Barcelona <laughs> sipping 20 beers like it's not the same thing. It ain't 1992 anymore. So I you know, that's another thing about it. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, if 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 they had sort of gotten some kind of moral victory, you could see next time around them looking at the situation and being like and also there's no PR wins for you also like there's this is more of a PR win the redemption thing and you've seen you've seen what that what that does for people because because people don't think about the 2000 you know Olympics or I'm, I'm just trying to think back about the redemption ones are just worth more like that that's a PR win and it's all a part of the machine man and and we have a situation now like what Kobe did you know with the redeem team in 2008 LeBron James is basically trying to recreate that narrative, that storyline of like we we had to call in the big dog. And once the big dog came into practice, everybody kind of knew and everyone everyone understood the assignment. We're here to win. There's no doubt about it. Um, You know, LeBron, the irony of it all is that LeBron back then was actually perturbed by the fact that Coach K and Colangelo recruited Kobe because he was saying, well, me, D Wade, Carmelo, we're good. We're, we're going to actually do this, even though they had lost in 04 and lost in 06. Um, and then they brought in Kobe. So LeBron is the Kobe of 2024 now. And, you know, the, everyone's trying to figure out if this is going to be the reality. Everyone's trying to figure out what the answer is. One of the things I, I want to talk to you was like, what is the solution? Obviously, LeBron is offering his solution of a dream team, a redeem team, or whatever you want to call this, a redream team. Um, but is it Embiid? Because I've also seen this. I've seen a lot of people talking about Joel Embiid as the savior of USA basketball, which in one sense is kind of hilarious. In another sense, you can explain it out and say, 
he actually would be great uh, to have on Team USA. I mean, Elijah Wan played with Team USA in 1996, was great, helped win a gold medal. Um, France has apparently pulled off their recruitment of him because they have Wimbenyama, they have Gobert, even though, you know, we'll see how they feel about that in a little bit. Um, but is Embiid the, like, what is like the uh, practical answer other than creating some super team with LeBron? Oh, gosh, man, that's tough. Like, if there I, is I think, one, right? I mean, yeah, that's the other part. The Embiid thing doesn't immediately strike me as a fix because, like, I, if you're thinking about the stylistic issues that they ran into, that, that will hit on something that has been a pain point in Embiid's career, basically, is, like, people always talk about him as, like, being some amazing passer when he was in college and when he was coming into the draft. I, I don't know what people are talking about when they say well, that. Well, he can I, make he can make amazing passes, but he's not an amazing passer, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, he has these highlights sometimes where you see him be do stuff, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but he he doesn't make it part of his identity as a player. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a yeah. one-off, like, oh, okay, wow, that was impressive that one time that he did that. Okay. Yeah, it's just yeah. not his style, you know? And if you look at, like, some of the offensive challenges that Philly has had the past few years and just trying to figure out the optimal way to play around him, um, he, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to, it would just change the total conversation about the way. And, and also, you know, defensively, is he going to be interested in being a, the type of rim protector that they need in this setting? I, I just, I know he would score. I know he would do really well. I just don't know that he's like the in, end all be all savior for this team. Um, I, I just think they need to find a way to get bigger and stronger on the perimeter. You got to answer two questions at once because this roster seemed to just have caveats like we were talking about. Like the fact that they, their scores, I, I just had a hard time coming into the event being like, we are married and to the idea of Brunson being the focal point of this team. A guy who in international basketball, you know, I, I love that uh, Theo Pinson clip of him saying he don't want to pass. Like that was one of the funniest. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I just, I, I I think walking into a FIBA event or, a, you know, it with with that kind of strategy in mind, and maybe they didn't mean in the basketball sense, maybe they meant more and just like, you know, a leader in the locker room. He's going to be sort of our like vocal driving force. Um, I, I, I just think adding him, I think they need to add some more passing. I think they need to add some more shooting and movement, man. That's one of the big things, too. Um, it, it's. I guess we could like segue into talking about, you know, one of the other winners of this event for me. Um, I don't know. Did we leave that segment or are we still in the winners? Let, and losers let, segment let's leave it you? there. We're the losers. <laughs> uh, Team USA, we are losers. And I think the only real silver lining of being a loser is that we have created one of my favorite things in American sports and just American culture in general. It's called manufactured adversity, right? We have created this adversity um, and now we are going to act like this is this major issue and that we have to conquer it. And then when we do conquer it, because we do have the talent to easily conquer it, we are going to celebrate like that meme when you're popping champagne on the on the stand. You know, that is what we're going to do when we win the gold medal in 2024, if it so happens, if they're able to build the super team. But yes, it is over. The losers of Team USA. Let's get to the winners. The winners are more fun to talk about. You can start there. Well, I mean, I think you have to come away from this event feeling like, you know, it's not perfect, but I mean, Anthony Edwards seized the moment, I think, as a guy who just turned 22 years old. I think he's like 22 years old in like 38 days. He's still a yeah. baby. He's still very, very young. He's still in his like Kobe or like early Lakers phase, you know, where he's kind of flying a little close to the sun at times. I think one of the interesting things for him, you know, and dude, he was he was a monster in this in this like shooting like 
he shot, let's see, 38.1% on dribble pull-up threes, 60.5% on dribble pull-up twos, which is really, really uh, impressive. Um, the big thing for me is just that, like, I think there was a little too much pressure on him to be the offensive engine when I just don't think that his he stylistically has matured into that, you know? It's like when he gets into the middle of the floor, you'll see those incredible... I saw a lot of people saying, like, this has definite, like, second-half Michigan State Maui vibes right now where he just mm-hmm. gets going and he can't be stopped. You can feel the bad decisions coming with him at times, I feel like, you know? Like, he'll hit a couple shots and you'll be like, all right, he's getting ready to take a bad one, I know for sure, which kind of reminds me of the young Kobe stuff. I just feel like he's probably going to be better suited on, and let's assume that like of the people that are going to be back in twenty in the 2024 iteration, I feel like he's he's going to be a part of it, I would assume. I guess that's a good question. Do you think it's a given that he comes back? Let's say they bring in Booker. Let's say they bring in another player at his position. Do you think it's just like a certainty that Ann is back on on this team next time around? I think that there are three people that are certain to come back, and I think he's one of the three. And I think that they're going to have um, they're going to have some political conversations about you know certain guys like a Paolo Bencaro, like a Jaron Jackson Jr. Like do they do they try to swap Jaron Jackson Jr. out for Bam Adebayo? You know whatever it is, I think I think there's going to be like some political conversations that happen around that. But I mean that. Continue on. I thought Ant was still a big winner in this. I mean, and they put out the World Cup does like an all-star five, which is basically the first team of the World Cup. And Anthony Edwards was on the first team of the World Cup. So, I mean, he obviously made an impact across the world. And those Italian guys that I watched the Italy game with, they were like the only guy on the USA that we that we're like afraid of or whatever is Anthony Edwards. And if you watch the games, it's pretty obvious he's that guy. And the all-star five that they put together, Dennis Schroeder, SGA, Anthony Edwards, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Luka Doncic. So like he's in a good group of guys. I mean, that is great company for Anthony Edwards to be in. And like you said, he's not even 22. Yeah, he's still growing in the playmaking sense, you know? Like uh, there, there were definitely a few moments where you get it to him on... I guess it just kind of comes down to like how you want your offense to flow because it didn't feel like there was a lot of like flow state kind of re- like continuous read reaction kind of thing that I saw from some of the other teams. It would get to him. I like. I mean, I like the idea of like you're running your offense and you come down and we're like, okay, we have this like second part of our shot clock philosophy where Ant can always create a shot. And you saw some of the situations where that kind of didn't work so well because you're putting a lot of stress on him in the beginning of the clock coming down with like coming into a pick and roll. And there's a lot of standing on the weak side. There's not as much movement. Things that are like hallmarks of Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr offenses, which, you know, you just didn't see it. Um, and then, you know, I, I just think that could lead to some situations. But in his defense... I think that he would be better if they get some more playmaking and shooting on there. There's not so much pressure on on him. He he tried. I just don't think that he's like a natural like manipulative playmaker, honestly. And it comes back to I, I think one of the most illuminating moments of this whole USA Anthony Edwards experience was when he talked about when he was told the first practice that he was coming off the bench and then Steve Kerr pulls him to the side and says, "Well, you know, Dwayne Wade you know, he said, because, you know, Anthony Edwards, obviously Tom Crean, same coach. He knows D Wade. They, they talked to each other. He's like, well, you know, D Wade, he came off the bench. Um, we talked and, about that before yeah, the right. tournament. I was like, that was the role I wanted him to thrive in. Yeah, exactly. So that that's what Steve Kerr in his mind is like perfect. But in the same way, Anthony Edwards said, and I thought it was, like I said, very illuminating. He goes, well, Kobe Bryant's not out there, you know? So like you don't have someone. <laughs> Good point. 
you know, you don't have someone for him to learn behind, right? You're basically just saying, hey, 22-year-old D. Wade, Anthony Edwards, let's throw you in a primary spot without any sort of safety net. And then if things don't go right and you're not, you've never even really been in that position, we say, oh, well, we thought you were that guy. I guess not. And I think that's why it was a little bit unfair to Anthony Edwards, but also he had to thrust himself into that position because there was no one else in front of him. There was no Booker. There was no Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, that's the person that I thought would have been great for this team. I, I think if Donovan Mitchell had played on this team um, and had been the shooting guard in front of Anthony Edwards, maybe he's willing to defer a little bit more and maybe those two guys, you have a primary playmaker. Because um, I'll tell you another winner. When I watch Canada play Team USA, I said to myself, this is so obvious who the best player on the court is. It's not even close. SGA. I mean, it's not even close. And, no, it wasn't and, I, close. I, and I don't think I've ever be, had a moment like that other than when you play like a Luca or Giannis or, you know, whoever it may be. Maybe Arvidas Sabonis back in the day. People had that feeling. But watching SGA play against Team USA, it was gobsmacking. And the the mental image in my mind is Mikel Bridges came over one time to offer help side um, you know, basically to double team him and he made him touch earth. I mean, he made this man complete. I mean, he embarrassed him and then hit like a, the cleanest, smoothest, easiest step back you've ever seen. And the way that he was able to manipulate the game, the way, able, the way he was able to control the game. Um, he was the biggest winner of the entire tournament to me. And Canada has been looking for that guy, right. To, to kind of be like, they wanted to be Wiggins. They wanted to be RJ Barrett. They have it. And it turns out he's a four-star kid who was like the most underrated guy at UK when he went there. And now he's the face of the country and by far their best player that I've ever seen. Um, and the sky's kind of the limit with him. Uh, what what did you see? I mean, I, I'm just like, you know, you know, I'm just ro- waxing poetic about the guy. But I mean, SGA was incredible. I mean, obviously, they finished in third for the they get the medal for the first time in 87 years. So that lets you know how great he was. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think back about like the 2017, I guess it was U19 FIBA thing where, uh, I mean, there were so many good players. I've talked about this before, maybe even on this show, but I mean, it was like, you know, Michael Porter Jr. was in there, but yeah. Shea was playing for Canada. Um, and Shea was just this very skinny, very like he he was very, I don't, I think he was, pro- I don't know if he quite grown to 6'6 six, six yet. He was probably like 6'3 or 4, uh, but he was just this little lanky dude and you never, to, to think, back then um this is this is a sort of a cycle that i'm trying to break in my own sort of like evaluating of players it's like i really love shay as a player like a big big fan a big believer in him but he's just um dude he you talked about him and bridges specifically like there there were a couple plays man he he made bridges basically fall down a couple times with his like uh, where he would fake those screens like he he acted like he was going to go into that screen with Olenek and and like he legitimately shook bridges to the point where he he almost fell down and got in the lane and the thing that killed killed me is and Shay always looks like this like he always looks calm he always looks like he's just kind of floating out there um he has almost like that that team act kind of way that he just kind of moves yeah. around it's it's not quite the exact but it's like he looked like he knew he was the best player. Like he he was like he was like <laughs> right. manipulating Walker Kessler. Like he just he looked so calm and confident, and like he just kept getting into the lane and creating shots for them in this game. I had it written down here. Let's see, make sure I get this detail exactly right. Yeah, they were they were seventeen for thirty seven from three, so almost forty six percent, and a ton of those were created by him just getting into the paint, man. Which is you know tale as old as time. It's true in the NBA too, but. 
you just can't keep this guy out of the lane, man. He just he looked really, really impressive. And in the Murray in the Murray SGA thing is another level that it could go to next time around if he plays. Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part about Canada. Also, I mean, I liked Zach Eady off the bench for them. I mean, I mean, Eady didn't play much. Obviously, you had Olenek and Dwight Powell were playing over him. They kind of had the lion's share, um, you know, you know, in the post for Canada. But when Eady came in in garbage time against Serbia, he got like quick six points, got like six rebounds, had a big block, and I'm like. Canada has pieces that you think to yourself, okay, in 2024, they're going to be something special. And that leads me to another winner that we have to talk about because he was the biggest loser of the playoffs. I mean, Sham Sharania basically put out to the world that, you know, the Grizzlies would never in under any circumstances, bring him back to their team. Um, people were saying you better learn Chinese buddy. Um, and then Dylan Brooks. I mean, I don't, his post game, we could talk about that after this, but he is a winner because he absolutely imposed his will on team USA and made a major statement, especially defensively. He ended up winning defensive player of the tournament, but Dylan Brooks, um, Dylan Brooks has a long history. We remember with coach K and Oregon back in college basketball. I mean, it, we've known Dylan Brooks for quite some time. I mean, he, he likes to antagonize. He likes to, you know, almost play like a WWE S character when it comes to the basketball court. But this guy had 39 points and was, I mean, SGA, SGA was the best player in the game, but Dylan Brooks was right there with him and uh, he was right next to him making plays. And he was perfect for FIBA. Uh, I mean, I, there's nothing else I could say. I never thought I'd see Dylan Brooks drop 39 points um, in a FIBA game to knock out USA. And the fact that he did that was incredible. And the fact that after the game, he was invoking Kobe Bryant and the mama mentality. Um, I think maybe that was one of the reasons LeBron was ready to get everybody together, too. I, I think he was shook by that as well. But we had no one that was willing to match his intensity as far as being an enforcer on the floor. And he imposed his will and dominated, um, you know, what he had to do. And he made us look soft. <laughs> and and a lot of times back in the day when you talked about Canada, right, there was a finesse and then there was a force and a skill of the U.S. that would dominate. It was Dylan Brooks handled the business for, for Team Canada. And uh, he was incredible. And I... I'm not a Dylan Brooks guy, but I did leave that game with a, a little bit, of, a little bit more respect than I did in the past, um, you know. And and now I get it a little bit more. So I have to give him the uh, the nod as being a big winner of this tournament. Yeah, it's the whole they they tear you down and because and the, they want to tear you down and then they want to see you come back. So it's like a, a, right. a little bit of an American sort of uh, rise and fall thing happening to a Canadian here. But like, yeah, I, I was. I was cracking up during that game because there were so many people that had to be just like seething on the inside watching this, you know, Coach <laughs> K specifically watching, watching his, he, it was a double whammy for Coach K because, you know, he's, he's feeling just the heartache of, uh, of, of watching uh, his country, you know, he's, he's all about duty, you know, duty to country. We know, <laughs> like, uh, we still think that he might come back and coach army. I know that was one of our better predictions on this show, but it had, to, it had to hurt for him deeply because he, you know, he's a guy who he called it early with, with Dylan Brooks. Right. You know, I know Kay got a lot of grief for it. I'm sure he was hurting on the inside. Uh, and there were, there are a few different plays where, and I'm, I'm obviously being playful here. Like it, it was fun to see him have this moment after the summer that he's had. Right. Like I think it went a little far at times. Of course. Like it always um, goes a little too far. Like that, that's a, like <laughs> in the third quarter of this game, I was like, you know what? Maybe I've misjudged Dylan Brooks a little bit. I've been a little too harsh. And then after the game and he's like, it was the mama mentality. Like I'm creating my own mama mentality. I was like, okay, there it is. I, I forgot. Okay. There he, there he is. I got it now. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. And, and also like Steve Kerr is another guy who's had like direct awkward kind of interactions, you know, because it, he, that hard foul that he had a couple years ago, 
on uh, on Gary Payton uh, Jr. and or, or the second, and you know he there there were a couple plays that like Brooks made in this game where Kerr internally had to be had to be thinking you got to be fucking kidding me like there were there were a few of those like you know he's making like step back threes. He had one play where he got into the lane and had like a nice little drop off to Walker Kessler. And I, I just know the American guys had to be like, of course, this guy has the game of his life on this day. But, you know, like you said, for in, in 42 minutes, you know, 42. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, he, he even had five assists in this game. I mean, right. 39 points, 12 for 18 from the field. You know, he was shooting at seven for eight from three. It was 87 and a half percent from three for Dylan Brooks in this game. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not going to be your day if that's going down for, uh, from him, but, uh, yeah, yeah. all in all, I'm happy for him. It happened. And, uh, I saw some people pointing out the excuses, uh, like, you know, when Dylan Brooks put out his little message to the haters, uh, a lot of people in the comments were like, well, USA didn't have Brandon Ingram and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Paolo Bencaro cause they were out for illness or whatever. There are no excuses for letting Dylan Brooks drop 39 points on your head. There, there are none there. There are zero excuses. It is only you have to tip the cap. You have to say good job by you. And uh, you got a medal. So Canada, they're their own conversation of I like the rivalry. Like for me, Mexico, it's like we were talking about soccer earlier, like Mexico, the national team, like that is a very fierce rivalry with the USA. Right. I mean, we do not like them. They do not like us, Um, you know, on a soccer pitch. We are not friendly at all. I do think Canada and USA is headed into that territory, especially as the talent pool continues to develop. I think that Canada, um, because of their pride uh, for their country and their love for the game of basketball, shout out to Vince Carter for helping, you know, push that baton on further. But they they are going to have and feel some type of way about the USA. And like you said, we have this whole like who actually invented the game. Naismith is Canadian, but he was in Boston, um, you know, so. I just think that big rivalry is happening, but I do think there is a new team, a new, um, you know, kind of, uh, Hey, look at us. We know what we're doing here. And that's obviously Germany. This is Germany's first world cup in basketball. I thought that was, you know, fascinating. I didn't know that. I thought they at least had won one, but this is their first time winning it. And the craziest part to me is that a guy similar to Dylan Brooks, who was written off, who was told to learn Chinese, who was told that he was done in the NBA gets a flyer contract with the Lakers helps get them to the Western conference finals was actually a pivotal piece, especially defensively, even though nobody wanted to give him credit. He ends up being the face of this tournament and Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he goes and wins the MVP trophy and leads Germany to a championship, um, which is insane to think about. Franz Wagner was great. Mo Wagner was great. I mean, Germany has a really good team. Daniel Tice was playing like freaking Elijah Wan out there. I mean, everyone was, you know, going crazy about that, but I mean, it was Dennis the menace. And speaking of like moments that are like mental images in my mind, I mean, Dennis making Austin Reeves fall on his knees and hitting a step back over him. That was the moment in my mind mentally where it was like, oh man, we're in trouble. Right. And and shout out to Austin Reeves. He was a great sport after the game. They're obviously teammates. And he said a lot of nice things about Dennis and vice versa, but uh, Dennis was incredible. And I, I felt like every time you watch Germany, like whoever was calling the game was trying to give credit to Franz or somebody else. But he was the real star of this team and ended up being the star of this tournament, which is probably the most shocking thing I've seen. And I bet Germany to win this tournament, by the way. Shout out to FanDuel, plus 1,400. Um, so, yeah, shout out, to, shout out to the German side for actually getting it done. I thought they had won before, so I was actually uh, not a great not a great pick because I, I thought there was some history to it. But Dennis the Menace, what did you think about Schroeder? Uh, well, I was going to ask you up, up front here Please. about German basketball. I mean, do you think how much... 
how much of this can be like attributed to, you know, basketball is more of a global game now, and that's obviously a big part of it. But you wonder about the impact of just, you know, that one player can have. You mentioned Vince Carter in Canada is Dirk. You know, it's kind of funny to think yeah. back about like I remember watching back in like the 08, you know, range uh, whenever you would. um I don't know. I remember like scrolling through on like NBA Live 2009 or 2008 or something that had the FIBA teams on it. And you would look at the German team and be like, oh, God, I guess Dirk's shooting every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, right. it's, it's interesting to see how far they've come. I mean, like, you know, German, but it's it's been a quiet sort of growth, I guess. You know, you mentioned the Wagner brothers. Pretty amazing how the broadcast just like could not get that right. It was you just kept saying Wagner or Wagner. It was like, Wagner. what was going on with that? I, it drives me insane. I mean, it happened in college too with both of them. But you know, I mean, you could always tell when you know it was the ACC Big Ten Challenge, right? Like Michigan would go play Clemson, and they'd be like, "Man, this guy Mo Wagner, what a big night for him!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> then after the game, they'd figure out he was German. They're like, "Oh, what the hell? Like we we really oh, messed shit. up here." But yeah, I mean, it, it's been happening. I mean, even the Magic sometimes, you know, like though the, not with Franz more, but it'll happen with Mo sometimes and. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they can do to uh, to change it. But I mean, I told Kyle this early on. Like my big my big rule of thumb is like you have to earn for me to know how to spell your name and, and pronounce your name. You know what I mean? Um, and Mo Wagner did that. You know, early on at Michigan, Franz obviously did that as well. So I think it's time for the Hold rest on. of the world and the broadcasters to catch up. You have to earn. People have to earn the right for you to. That's a to that's know quite how to spell their. I'm not like just for me, <laughs> but just in, like in my mind, you know, like when Giannis came out, like I didn't know how to spell Antetokounmpo, but in about 2017, like I learned how to spell Antetokounmpo. You know what I mean? And same yeah. with Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Like Bogdan Bogdanovich, if you don't think he's a, a top tier player, you're not watching Serbia play. I mean, this guy was incredible. He outplayed Luca. Luca. By the way, quick quick side tangent. Luca has been infected, and I'll use that word, infected by NBA brain. His yeah. his his like willingness to completely disregard the basketball part of it and just complain to the officials is insane. And it's not his fault; it's the NBA's fault. But that's that's a whole sidebar. Let's Bogdan, no, let's Bog have a yeah, let's quick, have a let's conversation about, about this because you know Bogdan, Bogdan. I want to talk about like the, the efficiency of the game flow is on another level. Like they just don't tolerate it. And you you can right. even see what I was loving was like the NBA players were even like a little hesitant to say something. Like there were a couple clips, <laughs> you know, they they always cut to the after the foul thing. And like on an American game, it it feels like it goes on for several seconds sometimes where it's like, it's like a debate. Luca and Luca, I love watching him play. He's a freaking genius with the basketball in his hands. But dude, like He's even gotten to the point where I'm just like, Luca, man, just play. God, yeah, it's right. like the reason he keeps doing this is because they they like incentivize. He's incentivized to do it. The more he complains, if I was an official, I feel like he would just wear you down at some point. We were like, I just don't want to hear from this dude anymore. And mm -hmm. during the FIBA games, it's amazing when you're watching back through them how quickly you can get through them. Like whenever I'm like reviewing an NBA game, like on Synergy or whatever it is, like and I'm trying to scrub through it. It takes so much longer because the game's longer, but also like because, because just because of the, the complaining, man, it's it's really right. wild. I, I feel like the the NBA could learn something from the efficiency of that. That really stood out to me too. Yeah, it was tough, but Bogdanovich, I learned how to spell his name around 2019. So uh, I I am working on uh, you know let's put it out there to the world, pronounce it properly. It is Wagner, and they were big winners, Germany. Obviously, big winners. The one last thing I want to do before we uh, we we take a break here, I wanted to help try to build our dream teams for 2024. So, congratulations to the world! You are the big winners. 
Um, they were celebrating people in Italy that did, you know, the Italians lost to the USA, but they were celebrating the fact that the USA did not medal. That is what we're dealing with. The rest of the world is pulling against USA basketball. And now is the time to saddle up and make something happen. So you and I were just, you know, going back and forth. A lot of people, I saw Austin Rivers, our, our coworker, which is funny to say, he put out his, um, you know, lineup that he would be looking for. So I just, here's my starting five and we'll start there. Then we can kind of riff and, and talk about some of the people left off. But my starting five, uh, Dream Team 2024, point guard is obvious. And it sounds like he's in uh, based on LeBron putting it out there, based on his people kind of saying, yeah, we've talked about it. And he has never played in the Olympics. He's played yeah. in the World Cup, but he hasn't played in the Olympics. Stephen Curry um, at point guard. I think Stephen Curry is a better defender than people get him credit give him credit for. He's also six foot three. He's not five eleven like people try to act like he is. He's also the best shooter we've ever seen from outside. So I think Stephen Curry Curry will be amazing. And if he's there, we're gonna feel really good about that. I think it's shooting guard and I think he earned this position. And I I'm you know I'm sure some people would probably be be upset and say this is incorrect, but I think Anthony Edwards should be the starting shooting guard. Um, for Team USA in 2024. I think it should be Stephen Curry. I think it should be Anthony Edwards, and that should be the backcourt because that is a scary backcourt. They know each other well. Um, I remember the first time I really heard about Anthony Edwards being, you know, really something special was at Curry's like Under Armour little event. Everyone was like, oh, this guy is incredible. You need to know the name Anthony Edwards. He's going to play for Tom Green. So I like them in the backcourt. LeBron James, we will start this man at small forward. I don't care. Okay. Um, I don't care what, you know, Jason Tatum obviously has a case. You know, a lot of people will will make their, you know, but if LeBron is really going to do this and he's really going to be that guy, let's send him and let's let him do it. And we can load management, you know, as we want. And you can have Bridges behind him, Tatum behind him, guys that can help and be younger and carry, come, carry some of that load. At Power Forward, the greatest Power Forward behind Carmelo Anthony in USA Basketball history, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant at Power Forward. Um... I like that. I like LeBron and KD there together. And then at center, I think it's a part of this whole LeBron creating the super team. It's the guy who should be the best player in the USA right now, but he refuses to be for whatever reason. We don't know why, but it is what it is. Injuries probably is the, the right answer, but I don't know. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis at the five, being able to stretch out, being able to defend the rim legitimately at the five. I know he doesn't like playing the five, but guess what, Anthony Davis, you have to do it. So that is my starting five. If I see those five get out on the court, I do not think there is another team in the country that has a chance, and you can build some depth behind them. I would love for Cade Cunningham to be Stefan's backup, um, to have some size behind him. Halliburton could be in that mix, potentially. You know, there, there's some conversations to be had. I would love for Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker to be uh, that sixth man that comes in and kind of leads the second unit. Um, but that's my starting five. What about you, Kyle, man? How do you feel about that? I differed a little bit from you just because I thought that, uh, I mean, the, the commitment politics, I think, are the thing that are going to be it's that's a lot be of tricky. That. Yeah. Because, like, I think that Ant, Definitely deserves another run at this just for for his commitment this time around and a year from now. I, like with that group of players, I feel like it would be a good setup for him. But I mean, I, I feel like it'd be it's hard to argue against Devin Booker there because because yeah, immediately course. you're Booker's immediately, the right answer, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the right answer. Yeah, immediately you're going to get more cutting. You're going to you know Steph's cutting is contagious. Steph's passing and off ball stuff is contagious, and you'd have more shooting. The, other, the only thing I quibbled there was like you could you could either go Duran or Tatum there at the three with that group, and right. then I would put LeBron at the four and sort of let him be a roamer, sort of just be like a free a freelancer because it is that's the question here. It's just like LeBron, he, he ain't getting any younger, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's like forty <laughs> year old LeBron. Like what what do we really expect? Like I just like the idea of like we put him on the court. 
the other team sees him. He has his like whatever aura, whatever you want to call it. And then the FIBA officials maybe are scared of him. That's what we like. I've seen a lot of people talk about Draymond. Like they want to put Draymond on this team because they want him to kind of like be the Dylan Brooks antagonizer enforcer, whatever you want to call it. Let's make LeBron that at 40. Let's, let's, let, let's let him antagonize and enforce. That would be great. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like that's a good point. I, Draymond would probably just end up getting kicked out of the way that way, <laughs> the way these were, this tournament was officiated, but like, um, I just think having him be sort of a, like a free safety there, you wonder if just having importing him and having him be like a culture presence would be powerful this time around. Like he could play more sparingly, sort of in the Kobe thing, because you'll hear a lot of those players talk about after the 08 Olympics that like that was the, the biggest takeaway for a lot of those guys that like professionally, when they saw Kobe in person working the way that he did in his regiment, they were like, oh, you know, like it's very well documented. And some of those guys turned around and had the best years of their career. Dwayne Wade turned around and had an incredible year after incredible. the 08 yep. Olympics. Um, and we'll see if that happens for Ant here. But I I said LeBron to four. And then I think AD would work. But I think offensively, I think Bam's passing and screen setting and switchability on the... If you think about the two... Who do you think the best two-way players, in a, like American players, are right now? I feel like it's either... It's either t- I feel like it's probably Tatum and Bam right now, honestly. Like pure, maybe not the best players, but like two way balance. I feel like those guys and AD, you know, obviously what he can provide. But I, I think that Bam would be a good choice for the international game just for that reason, for the screening and the passing. And the switch I build. love I love Bam there. I mean, Jimmy Butler might be in that conversation too, as far as like two way guy. Um, and I saw some people saying that Jimmy would be great, but uh, based on my sources, I reached out to someone in Jimmy's camp, and uh, they said that Jimmy's on vacation. So Jimmy, Jimmy will not be playing. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy's Jimmy. marketing big face coffee or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He's having a great time going to the U.S. Open. He does not. He's like, okay, you guys have fun trying to... Because he went 2016. I think he was like, I, I I see how the politics of this work. You know what I mean? And, you know, that that's the other part. I saw Rudy Gay put this out. He was like, we need tryouts again. Because I, I do think that was a big part of the kind of... Um, you know, resurgence of the entire Team USA in 2006, like after we lost, finishing third. I think we got the bronze in 06 at the World Cup. But um, when they had tryouts, and even when like Curry, John Wall, Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook are competing for three sp- or yeah, three spots because Chauncey was already on the team. Um, that is great. That's great competition. That's that's awesome for everybody. Like I would love for them the next time around to open it up and have tryouts and have Walker Kessler, Evan Mobley, um, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bam Adebayo, all four of those guys in there. And let's figure out like who actually wants to be a part of this um, this time around. And I think Mobley would be great um, as far as like two-way guys you're talking about. And I think he's only going to be more developed at that point. So Evan Mobley would be um, maybe behind Bam uh, someone I would love to see. And he can play four. I mean, he can slide off on the four. And you know what else Evan Mobley can do? He can contest three-point shots from the post. Like, he has enough. Um, he's agile enough to get out and contest. And I think that with the length of him and Bam Adebayo, that would be incredible um, with those two guys. So that's another name I wanted to throw in there. But in general, I just think USA Basketball Let's not be afraid to let's not just like pick guys we like who we know are going to be easy to deal with. Let's let's try to make a real good basketball team. Yeah, I like the idea. I think about the 08 team when I think about like the Jason Kidd, Darren Williams, Chris Paul trio, which is mm. there's we don't have any really think anything comparable like that is that polished at that point. Granted, Chris Paul was younger than I always think of him. He's just like one of those people that I always <laughs> think of as old. He's just frozen. Right. He never he never was young, basically. He's like Larry uh, David. I mean, he's always been yeah. old. Like every, even when you see a clip from 30 years ago, you're like, how old is Chris Paul in this? He looks like he's 35. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I just feel like this the Steph Curry Halliburton Cade trio I feel like would be a nice thing here. Granted, I love that. You know, Halliburton. Uh, I tried to work Lamelo in there, but it just didn't seem to work. You'd have to kind of cut Halliburton out if you did that. I feel like, but the other the other one that I think is interesting. You mentioned Mobley, and I think this coming year might justify this. Maybe just down at the end of the bench, you bring in a little Chet Holmgren. You just tuck mm. him down there. You're like, we got this guy who can shoot it. He can handle it a little bit. He's a really disruptive, switchable player. We just stash him away on the bench. I, I like I, that. That's another. That would be my like. Just get him in there, get the experience, you know, because he's such a smart player. His game is going to translate to the international game. That's just another one there for me. Do you think Zion will ever play in this event? I don't think so. That's what I I tried to, I, in my head, like in an ideal world, I would love to see Zion, John Morant, LaMelo Ball all be included in this situation. But it does feel like, one, it feels like Zion, we can't even figure out what his, you know, priorities are half the time. Ja is got his own set of, you know, issues that are that go on. And also Ja in the FIBA game is a little bit off. Yeah, I, I don't still, know about that one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that one either. But I just still like the idea of seeing him in the USA basketball jersey. You know, that's the, that's the other part of this. Sometimes, like even when Iverson played in, in the Olympics, and I know it didn't go well, it still was awesome to see Allen Iverson in a USA jersey and have a captain on his shirt. You know what I mean? And granted, it didn't go how we wanted, but it was still incredible. Tim Duncan, same thing. It's like to see Tim Duncan in a USA jersey. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I, this is what I want to see. Um, now he'd probably play for the Bahamas. But, um, you know, I, I think that would be cool uh, to see those guys, but I don't think it'll ever happen. And uh, LaMelo is the one that I hope could happen. Darren Fox is the other guard that I was that I was trying to figure out. Like, is Fox a guy that would be a nice change of pace from Curry, right? If we have Curry starting, but then Fox comes off the bench and you have just this speed and this like and he would pick up full court. I think he would he would lean into the defensive side of it. Um, and that would be great. Dame is the other name. I've seen a lot of people yeah. throwing out Dame Lillard, but I actually didn't like Dame in the FIBA game as much as I do in the NBA game. And that's the other part. It's like trying to um, forecast, you know, what the translation looks like, because sometimes guys just don't translate as well. Um, from you know NBA to FIBA, I hope Paolo Bancaro doesn't get left behind though. That was the other one when we were talking about like the the next you know the Olympic team because Paolo is important to USA basketball and he picked USA basketball. He wants to be a part of USA basketball, so I think leaving him behind would be a tough look for everybody. So I think he's going to have to be included as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing here where yeah, I, like Paolo may end up getting squeezed out. I'd I'd love to see the Nico Mannion Paolo. Italian thing there, but yeah, right. you know, Paolo's mom is an American basketball player, so I I don't uh, I don't blame him, I don't begrudge him uh, for doing that. I just think y- you just you run the risk of being too skinny, and then you run like you were talking about de- like defensively. I worry about that because some of the, these teams really exploited them in that way, in a way that was eye opening. Like the physicality thing is the biggest leap that some of these other com- countries have made. It's not jarring anymore uh, for the f- and, and the game being more spaced out really helps on that too. It's not as half court grind it where we could just dominate people. But the other thing too with like you talked about Dame, I think you really have to pick players that are comfortable getting off the ball quickly. I've said this time and time again on this show. I even think that a guy like Jalen. Santa Clara Jalen Williams like would have maybe been mm. a better choice even than like Josh Hart like you need guys with like legit point guard skills that get off the ball quickly and that's why I think I like that was mentioning like the Steph Halbert Cade thing I think that that trio would really work well together but I think they really have to answer the defensive questions on the perimeter you know and, and that's going to be the biggest task I think do you think Bridges is back 
I think that's the like the three that I think will probably be back. I think Bridges is in that group of three guys. Um, do you think he is though? Because I mean, he kind of left this tournament. Everyone said he was the quote unquote best player on Team USA. Didn't I mean he had some good performances? I mean, had the moment right where he you know misses the free throw, gets the rebound, hits the big three, forces overtime. That was awesome. Um, but I'm scared that he also is one of those guys that'll be a casualty um, if they do create a super team. Yeah, I could see like you could see him being in the rotation. I mean, like with his size and his shooting and and his it's the same thing that we talked about before. Like when the ball's really moving and you have these secondary guys, like it it allows their strengths to sort of pop more. But the way this roster was assembled, I feel like it overburdened some of these dudes. Like I just feel like yeah, the one that's why it was such a like jarring difference. Like whenever Halliburton came on the floor, you saw the movement, you saw the passing, you saw the shooting, but like the trade-off was that they just couldn't stop anybody. And it's like whenever the U.S. in these crunch time situations, they try to get their best lineup out there. And it was like, yeah, we're scoring, but we're also like giving up a ton of points. Like that, you know, that game against Germany, what was it? They gave up like 113 points in 40 minutes. You know, they scored 110. That's kind of the game you're playing. And you got to adjust those stakes. Like, and I, I think that's the tough thing is like, to answer your question, though, Bridges, I think if they did bring some of these other guys in that could take some of the playmaking pressure off of him and let him kind of be purely who he is, he's, he's shown that he's capable more. But I think that he he could have a role. I don't know that he's necessarily going to start, but like he um, could almost like, be like the Josh Hart of the super team where he's more of like a, a, a kind of like glue guy where we plug and play when we need him. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good defender. He's going to give you all this effort. You know what I mean? And that that's I think that's the best case scenario for him. But I, I do feel bad for this group because I did like this team. Like I liked Austin Reeves a lot. Like I, I liked Bobby Portis a lot. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought that these guys did give great effort. And th- as soon as they lost to Lithuania, though, that confidence, whatever you wanted, that air about themselves, it did feel like it just got taken out of the room. And then they were like, oh, God, this is not going to go well. And um, obviously they blew out Italy, so they got a little bit of confidence, but, um, I just worry about some of this group cause I do appreciate the commitment. It's 40 days. I mean, it's a long time uh, and it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of, uh, you know, being away from your family, being away from your friends, being away from a life you want to live, like what Jimmy Butler's doing. Right. So, or what Devin Booker's doing. Um, and I, I don't begrudge those guys at all. Um, for not wanting to play because it's a lot to ask. But the guys that did, I just I don't want it to to be a situation where everyone's like talking bad on these guys. You know, I, f- I saw a lot of people turning heel on Austin Reeves. I thought Austin Reeves overperformed for what I expected him in this tournament. You know what I mean? Like he had a, he had a couple bad games, but in general, I was impressed with how he played. Um, so that was that's probably my one last big takeaway. It's like don't begrudge these guys that played in this tournament and act like they're a bunch of scrubs or that they misrepresented the USA. No, they just played better teams who are playing a game they're way more familiar with, and they exposed us for being kind of uh, you know green. I mean, it was just a, a team that's really green. And I think Walker Kessler's another guy. Like, don't lose faith in Walker Kessler. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. And I, I think another thing, too, to consider, I talked to quickly here, I've t- I talked about like the offensive sort of like compatibility of like it and the way it all fits together. It doesn't it doesn't help Jaron Jackson. Like if you think about like his foul rate, like fouls to blocks, if you think he's not one of those guys that can ha- hang back there and keep a lo- We know this. I mean, it's to the it's ad <laughs> right. nauseum. It's cliche. It's to the point where it's like and if you think about a team that like can't stop, like doesn't have strong ball pressure. um, and and has guys that kind of get lost sometimes in off ball situations. You want if you wanted to like draw up the worst case scenario for like Jaron defensive player of the year. Granted, 
if you want to draw up a worst case scenario for him and his tendencies, that's it. Like if you yeah. want to put him in a frustrating offensive situation, de- defensive situation, uh, that's it. So I don't think that we should get too carried away on on that with him either. But all that said, I I would be surprised if we see him back next time around. I don't know. Yeah, me too. I, I one last thing I wanted to shout out Russell Westbrook. Uh, as I watched this tournament, it just reminded me of how much I love Russell Westbrook in FIBA basketball, uh, especially young Russell Westbrook, like 2010, 2014 Russell Westbrook that was picking up full court like a maniac. Talk about ball pressure. That guy was a menace. I mean, he was a maniac. And that's what I mean, Dennis the Menace, that's literally what he did in this tournament and helped him and Germany win this whole thing. So it's nice when you have someone that is completely committed to that being their identity for the tournament. And uh, we didn't really have anyone that was built that way. And uh, I feel like Westbrook kind of gets forgotten sometimes about how important he's been in the in the run of USA basketball. We we all like to dismiss Russell Westbrook and remember the worst of him. But um, it made me think about him. So shout out to Westbrook. I, I had to say something nice about Russell Westbrook. There you go. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Kyle, man, let's do some shout outs before we get out of here because uh, it's been a long time. It's been two weeks. Uh, I miss talking to you about basketball. I watched a lot of basketball without you. So it, it's time to do some uh, some good stuff, some cleanup duty here. One thing I wanted to shout out, because this is college basketball news. It is a report that came out, and I sent to you and Kyle earlier. Fox Sports apparently uh, is in talks to host new postseason college basketball tournament um, that will be in direct competition with the NIT. And it will only feature conferences that they have the rights to. So it's like the Big 12, the Big East, the Pac-12. Um, and if you are, I guess if they do broadcast your rights, you have to deny an invite to the NIT based on your contract. I don't know. It seems insane. But I, I threw that out to you because it, it, will anyone watch this is the question. Like, is anyone sitting at home saying, you know what? I want to see a bunch of, you know, C-rated teams play each other in Vegas. 
Kyle, you want to start? You seem like you, you Kyle's camera Kyle turned immediately his camera came on. on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you got to start, Kyle. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have 58 minutes of Team USA in me, so, but I did have time for shout outs. I can tell you that. Uh, this sounds Jesus like the, Christ. <laughs> this sounds like Kyle's the fired uh, up. shout out to you guys. Uh, this. This, this sounds like the the RC Jeez. Cola vending machine. You know what I mean? It's like it's just. Oh, it's how only, dare you! First of all, oh, mm. uh, is that like a big, uh, big company in your region? I don't know. I, I mean, I saw RC that. Cola. <laughs> there was Big Red also in RC Cola machines. I'm just saying, it's not so bad. I don't don't thumb your nose. At I mean, it sounds like there's Continue Coke and Cup. Pepsi, and then there's RC. It's only this. It's, it's how about, only how about that, it's so. like Russell Athletic? You know what I mean? It's like you okay, could have sure. got a Nike shirt, but you got a Russell Athletic. Sure, shirt, the next you know town I mean? over. Yeah, the next town over. Their their jerseys are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Under Armour yeah. or, or something, but you, yeah, you're right. I, won't, I won't quibble too much. <laughs> got yeah. the cotton shorts, okay. Uh, but it's just, I. It seems like it, there's money in this on paper, but I don't know. It sounds like it's a it's an alienating lots of people, and if people don't turn out for it, it's like what the hell have we done here? So I don't know. It sounds like inventing something that's already been invented. When like a kid thinks he figured something out, and you're like, "Yeah, we've been doing that for for a long for years, time. man." I invented yeah. this, and then your dad was like, "No, I invented it." So it's like <laughs> I don't, I just don't, I don't see what what the point is. Mm. It's kind of mm. like when I called uh, Chris Boucher, Chris Trebuchet, because of the way he shoots, and I was like, "Oh, I made up that nickname." And Raptors fans were like, "No, you didn't, douchebag." Uh, no, I think like <laughs> Raptors Vegas only Vegas if you is... tried to sell it, tried see, to trademark it and sell it. This, this is good, Kyle, man. This is good because like now you're helping create this. Like I'm telling you, Canada is our enemy. Like it, very soon, Canadian <laughs> basketball will be the main enemy. But I like that. Nice dig. Nice shot. Uh, no, hey man, I, I'll I'll own it. I, I'll own the, the my miscalculation there. I, I think like Vegas is Vegas is a weird choice for this, right? I think it all comes down to how you're going to market this. I think they're going to have to kind of zag a little bit in this era of like uh, our our college basketball values have just been uprooted. You know, it's not dear old alma mater. You know, morally beyond reproach. I think they need to lean into like party destination because the, it, if you think about this, it's kind of counterintuitive in a lot of ways. It's West Coast. College basketball, I think we would probably agree, deeply rooted East Coast vibes here based on how much trouble we've seen on the West Coast. I, I just wonder, like, generating interest in dollars, I guess, and eyeballs for TV. Vegas seems like a weird choice, doesn't it, for this? Like, in term, if it's going to be like a ho-hum in terms of, like, the actual product, you don't see, like, the PK-80 getting crazy, you know, attendance and stuff like that. <laughs> if it's out right. West, it just seems risky to me. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like... I, it's a wait and see thing. It's a wait and see thing for me to see it. I'm very skeptical about the interest in this. Yeah, in the words of Randy Jackson, which was also on Fox, it's a no for me, dog. Uh, it's a big <laughs> no for me. I will not be doing that. I will not be watching that. And I actually really respect the NIT as a tournament uh, late in the year. So the fact that they're trying to create some sort of weird competition with the NIT is bullshit. And uh, I'm team NIT, and I'm also anti this. So throw that out there. I don't like it. Um also, no shout out in college basketball world. Shout out to the Candid Coaches Series. We had Gary Parrish come on. He and Matt Norlander put this together. Um, the big question that everyone is trying to figure out is, will Zach Eady repeat as National Player of the Year? Um, in case you missed it, that has only happened a few times, 12 times to be exact in college basketball history. The list is actually incredible. Oscar Robertson, Jerry Lucas, Bill Bradley, Lou Alcindor, Pete Maravich, Bill Walton, David Thompson, Mark Aguirre, Ralph Sampson, Michael Jordan, Jay Williams, and Luca Garza at Iowa. So uh, it happened pretty recently with Luca Garza, but um, I'll throw that Garza. out to you, Kyle, man. Do you expect Zach Eady, based on what you saw uh, in international play, do you think he can repeat as National Player of the Year? 
I don't know that international play would be the basis of my <laughs> argument. Um, <laughs> Some of that garbage time got you? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he he kind of struggled laterally at times. A lot of yes. the kind of familiar Zach Eady stuff was on display. 63% I mean, of the coaches said yes, by the way. So that is the reason why I had to... 63, to right? 63. 63. Well, I mean, like statistically, he's going he's gonna to do what he did last year, right? I assume it's kind of the Garza thing. Like the structure is kind of the same. I guess how much of the voter fatigue of them losing early is going to have people just going like, nah, you you wonder about that. And then also, who's his competition? I mean, do we think Hunter Dickinson will have a chance? Will he put up those kind of numbers? Do we these think are the, like, these are the other players that got votes? Hunter Dickinson, great call there. Cal Filipowski at Duke, Armando Baycott at Carolina. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. That will not happen. Armando Same Baycott happened. will not win National Player of the Year. <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, so just throw that name out. Uh, Donovan Klingen and then uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner at Creighton, which... That that's they're all bigs. I mean, it turns out college basketball, they love the bigs. So those are the names that are thrown out. I will say this, I'll go out on a limb. I think the winner of National Player of the Year will not be in the group of any of all those names that I named, I don't think it will come from that group. I think it'll be someone outside of that group. But if you're a bunch of coaches, you kind of just do company lines and you probably don't even know half the other players. So you're just like, Yeah, the kid at Duke. And they're like, Yeah, Filipowski is like, Yeah, perfect. That's my vote. So um, yeah, that's that's the list. So that was a big one. And then Zach Eady, I mean, some of the quotes in here, they said the guy puts up video game numbers. Um, quote, Zach Eady will win National Player of the Year for a second straight season unless there is voter fatigue, uh, which is what you just said, Kyle Man. So I think that's fascinating. And from a college basketball standpoint, it is uh, interesting to see what happens with that. Another college basketball thing in the news. Shout out to our producer, Kyle, by the way. He, he sent, sent over a bunch of news links. And we I'm going to let him do some of the news here uh, from the spun. Um, but Jay Williams will be joining College Game Day. How do we feel about Jay Williams, uh, the artist formerly known as Jason Williams? He is going to be in the forefront of college basketball commentary. And he did like a weird video on social media where he was like, yeah, it's coming. Get your it's popcorn happening. ready. <laughs> Get your popcorn ready. It was like a Stephen A. Smith impression. I don't know what the hell it was. Uh, but Kyle, man, how do you feel about Jay Williams? I can never get a total feel for Jay. Like, I don't know. I, I, I never have felt like he's totally carved out a lane. And like Jalen kind of did this, too, where it was like he he was doing really well. But it was like he kind of he was doing the whole like player perspective thing on the main broadcast. But it never ascended to that level of like, OK, this is like undeniable. Like, I, I feel like Jay. Jay's been involved. Well, he was involved with college game day a little bit in the past, wasn't he? I feel right. like he did some some kind of stunts like when when they were here at UK. Didn't he like ride a horse into Rupp Arena or something? He did something wild. I'm trying to remember. The, the um, most famous thing he did was that he ripped his shirt uh, in Cameron right. Indoor that said, I love Christian Leitner. It was during when the 30 for 30 came out. I hate Christian Leitner. And he ripped his shirt off and said, I love Christian Leitner. And everyone was like, yeah, we assume so. I mean, <laughs> was that supposed to be like some big reveal? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I've never really bought him as like a hot take person either. You know, right. you can just tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Like, I'm just like, OK, well, he doesn't he doesn't seem terribly worried about going like super, super in the weeds with like the 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 like analysis like and then. But I've I've never really like heard a lot of his hot takes and been like, oh, you know, it's like in a thought provoking way. I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> I'm not totally sure what he is, I guess. But on on that broadcast, he's fun. He's lighthearted. You know, he can be playful. I don't know who else is on the broadcast. It's Billis. It's we're gonna have like Reese Davis. Davis. Yeah, exactly. And then because uh, they they were play, they fired Lafonso Ellis, who was my favorite. Um, I, I think Lafonso was actually incredible at the job and trying to get Lafonso on this show. But um, yeah, I mean it's gonna be that it's gonna be a bunch of Duke guys. It's gonna be Reese Davis and a bunch of Duke guys. That that is college game day now. And uh, 
You know, that's just the world that we live in. That's why a lot of people, they get mad at me about talking about Carolina, but I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm out here alone. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, you used to have Hubert Davis, right? On college game day. And then Jay Billis, you get like a little bit back and forth. These guys are at odds with each other, but they're also friends, you know? But now it just seems like it's just the Duke guys and they're going to be talking. Jay, Jay Williams is one of them. He's going he's gonna to be louder than ever. That's all I could tell. From that video, I think you talk about hot takes. I think we're about to get like a first take impression on college game day, <laughs> which is a very dangerous game when it comes to college sports because these are college kids and everything's volatile and it's hard to predict what's going to happen. It's a lot easier in professional sports. So I, I think there's a uh, freezing cold takes. The guy who ever runs that account, he's going to have a fun time. I think get with your popcorn ready, day. pal. Yeah, he's <laughs> a lot of footage. Yeah, he started <laughs> heating up his popcorn. I put this on on the docket just because I, I liked having Tate, like having to figure out how he wants the words to come out of his mouth, how he feels about certain people being Jay Williams being one of them. So I just wanted to see how he was going to like compute and what was going to come out the other end. And I uh, think I was, well, more, I was more incendiary there. I thought, I, know. I, think, <laughs> I think he's always just like, what am I doing here? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. I'm, tr I'm trying to be, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. You know, yeah, I, you Jay, Jay Williams has been nice to me. Like I remember Jay Williams came on Bill's pod. He literally came over into, and like recorded with us and, you know, it was, Super nice. You know what I mean? That that's the the hard part about these Duke guys is that they are super nice in person, but their personas are like the opposite. So you gotta like parse <laughs> through the reality. You also have to tell them that you're not talking about the person, you're talking about the persona. It's hard to do. But Jay Williams, congratulations. Dude, uh we're well pulling done. for you. Well yeah. badass <laughs> player. I just wanna my, oh. I just wanna add, I like I if you're so young that you don't I feel like it almost gets forgotten at times. Oh my god, what a good Incredible. college basketball player. It, he was it, insane. And that's what I, I should say. Maybe I'll, maybe that's how I split it. Like Jay Williams, I think is a dud. Jason Williams is a stud. Jason <laughs> Williams is <laughs> incredible. He is one of the best basketball players I've ever seen in my entire life. And he said he wanted to go to Carolina, and I don't. And I still like him for saying that. So it's maybe that. Out. So Thank yeah, there's we one. Made, there, Kyle, you baited him into. <laughs> I haven't heard that in like four years. That's so yeah. good. It's like a back in 19. I'm glad you said that too, because now I'm off the hook. I don't. There's not going to be anybody being like, "Well, Kyle kind of." Yeah, someone's going to tweet Williams this at Jay Williams, and he's like, "This guy, who's this guy?" I'm <laughs> this good. Guy I'm good. Thank you, Tate. <laughs> oh God. All right. Well, we got uh, that one settled. Kyle, accomplish. you got me. Kyle, you got me locked in there. But shout out to Jay Williams. He did it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, let's talk about his coach. Coach K said we are currently in a society where it is pay for play in college basketball, and it is gross to him. He doesn't like it. The follow-up question was, wasn't it when you were coaching? Um, and then he killed that person. And uh, <laughs> had them killed. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually crazy how it happened. But um, your thoughts, Coach K says it's pay-for-play. It's always been pay-for-play, right? I mean, it just it's a it's different a variation of the same thing. It's a joke. I mean, that's the funny thing about it. I mean, like the, the, I think the transfer portal thing kind of makes this more complicated but like to act like this is different just a lot of this stuff's just out in the sunlight now like you yes. know it still needs to be regulated better i think in some ways you know and then they're working on that in a lot of different ways but i mean it's a it's a joke that's a joke i got i don't that's my only thought when i hear that yeah and guess what the reality is nike's been paying players since 1979 so um and to give you an example Right now, Bronny James, Caitlin Clark, they are selling their like T-shirt jerseys on Nike.com. And apparently Bronny's jerseys are, are, you know, this is the, you talk about the PR headlines, but apparently his jerseys are selling like, you know, uh, you know, hotcakes. Uh, hotcakes. There you go. I'm like, sure. I couldn't even think of, I was thinking of something cakes, uh, hot gangbusters, gangbusters, yeah. whatever you want to say. Um, 
Actually, don't say gang or posse around LeBron. So never mind. Uh, the, 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 the shirts are selling. Um, and Nike's happy about it. And it goes back to like Nike now, instead of doing the very covert, oh, wink, wink, come here, we'll give you this. It's like, no, we're just going to put your name on a shirt and we're going to sell it and we're going to give you profit. And bada bing, bada boom, it's working. So yes, it is pay for play. That is not new news. Coach K, you are right. Good call. And Bronny James is profiting. Speaking of pay for play, do you think that maybe Duke fans were uh, silent winners of this FIBA thing because the uh, the bring K back uh, rumblings might start yeah. uh, as, as for Team USA? Are you worried that he's not he's not going to be just in your life with little comments like this? It'll be you'll be rooting for K again. I honestly would love if a story came out that LeBron James flew to Durham to recruit Coach K. <laughs> Back to Team USA. That's where he started. That, and then they that split would up be across the like it's like the Expendables. Like he's literally just going to pick up different characters to go like you on this big bitch, war. I mean. And then the best part of it would be if that happened and then they lost. I mean that that would be like <laughs> that would be just uh, Chef's kiss. I told you guys, yeah, the best the best way to end that montage would be like the thing from the Avengers movie where you know LeBron's standing in a subway and he sees a, a shadowy figure on the other side of the train, and then they step into the light and it's Coach K, like in a, in a full Captain America uniform. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like mm -hmm. that would be the way to go. Instead uh, of the star, you know, it's just a K. Yeah, and then and, and then the other thing too is like, um, you know, I feel like the Nova thing comes up a lot on this show. You know, that that plays right into it. The Nova guys couldn't seal the deal we had to have the duke guys come back in and save the day i don't know it's all it's all shaping up to be a perfect narrative for k to swoop in and save the day and grant hill i mean grant hill is coach k's guy i mean he is one of coach k's number one guys so grant hill could literally just be like i need my leader you know what i mean like i need the guy to come back i need my palpatine i uh i can't do this alone <laughs> like it's like darth vader calling palpatine he's like please help me i don't know like i'm losing power like i don't know what i don't i don't, do do I don't remember tape. that it's in so star wars <laughs> how do you do that <laughs> so I, just, I think it's gonna happen i think it's gonna happen i think it's a great point um, another little uh, news clip that we have here that Kyle, great job with this. Uh, Kim Mulkey, LSU's head coach, who's kind of like she's almost well, I shouldn't compare her to Coach K, but I mean, she's she's up there as far as like being able to win basketball games with a tinge of evil. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> she got the richest deal in women's college basketball history. That was big news this weekend. So uh, shout out to uh, LSU dropping the bag for Kim Mulkey. I don't know million, how that years, is. I think. Yeah. Thirty two million dollars, Kyle, man. Look years. at that. That's going to be crazy. Huge for, the, huge for that industry and that, like, you know, like that. It's a big step forward. It's a big deal, you know, just setting the precedent and, you know, the rising tide. We've seen that in all sports. We've seen it, you know, with Saban. We've seen it with, you know, just it's, it's going to just help everybody else out once that, you know, it, it's going to establish a market. It's, it's big for their sport. It's a, it's a cool thing. Shout out to Nick Saban, by the way, just loses to Texas in this weird, like full circle moment because, you know, Nick Saban beat Texas in the national championship game in 09. That was kind of like the end of Texas Mac Brown era. And then Alabama dominated for a little over a decade. And now like Texas comes in, kicks their ass with Quinn Ewers. And now feels like Alabama could be on the, you know, on the, on the wrong side of the hill. But Nick Saban, he got no blame for it. Like I, I watched this game happen. And then I was waiting for the fallout. Like, I feel like Coach K, if he loses that, everyone's like pointing fingers, like throwing dirt on his grave. Nick Saban just pretty much unscathed throughout this whole thing. Everyone's like, it's this person's fault. It's they miss Kirby Smart. But no one no one was like throwing dirt on Saban, saying he's not the GOAT, da-da-da-da. So shout out to Nick Saban. That was a good way to, to avoid all that. So uh, that was good news. Good for the SEC in general. SEC football not going well right now, but SEC basketball better than ever. Um, we got some news out of the uh, SEC basketball world. One of uh, Kyle Mann, I'll, I'll, I'll lay this up to you. 
TJ, um, going from Kentucky to UNC, your thoughts. Can you can you give us some some details on this? Because Matt Norlander already reported it to the world. Yeah, I mean, I, it would have been nice. I should have asked TJ if I could break that story on our pod. <laughs> it would have been a big deal. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's funny because we were talking about I was like, hey, uh, you know, it'd be fun to have some uh, UK related content. And he was like, hey, guess what? I'm actually going to UNC. So I thought that was that was a pretty hilarious uh, blindsiding conversation to have. TJ's a really smart guy. I'm, he just is great with players. He's great with, um, I don't know. It's it'll it'll be he'll, he'll be a credit to the, the UNC program. I think it's a good gift for them. Absolutely, and uh, you know he's someone last year that I connected with because I was trying to get some interviews with the Kentucky guys. Had CJ Frederick come on the show. Um, super great guy, super easy to deal with. He worked in media before, like he was like a local news anchor, right? At, at one point, and then ended up pivoting his career. So he gets both sides of the coin. He gets the media side, he gets the actual inside basketball side, and he's going to help Carolina with their NIL efforts because uh, right now North Carolina has an NIL collective, but it's just for football because Mac Brown, that's what he does. Um, the basketball side does not have one. So TJ is going to come in, help with the NIL, NIL side uh, for UNC basketball, also help with the PR side um, because they need some help and uh, i think it's gonna be all good things and, and now we got some connective tissue with the blue bloods and tate yeah. does you know in the athletic article i read it's saying that he doesn't work directly for unc and there's like some sort of you know outside firm that's i don't know closely in there is that like a collective uh, is that what he was doing is he is he in that capacity at kentucky where he wasn't like a, a payroll I, I don't know. I think he was official. Like, I think he was official payroll at Kentucky. I'm pretty sure. Um, he worked for or, JMI, which is like a sports rights media. It's like a okay, media sports rights company here. But I also so it's like one degree positive. of separation. I'm right. pretty positive though. He was also kind of Cal's right hand guy. So you know, I'll miss talking to him about Kentucky basketball on that front. But uh, I'll have to you <laughs> figure something else out. Hey man, who was paying you? Just send him a. T- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> who was on your checks, man? <laughs> I will say this, just just to put this like in the ether as like uh, I've had some people reach out to me because of the news. Um, And I think it was more personal, you know, reading between the lines or whatever, why I went to Carolina. But then some people reach out to me and said, would this be a very sly way for Calipari to put someone at in Chapel Hill and then he could leave (laughs) and go to Chapel Hill? Um, and get ahead of Kentucky potentially firing him. And uh, if I know anything about John Calipari, that would I would not put that past him. He would. He would try to get Carolina. Yeah, well, I mean, Carolina fans at this point would take Cal. I would say, of course, right? yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if, yeah. if things go bad, like if, if things go south and you're not winning, I mean, th- th- people will talk themselves into John Calipari uh, or Billy Donovan <laughs> or Jay Wright. You know, you you put the name of Scott Giroux. Like, there's a but there's a bunch of names that will uh, be discussed because then you you kind of have the the backdrop of well, we did the family thing. Now we have to go get our mercenary. Um, and there's only one man who's merciful enough to be that mercenary and i think his name is john calipari so uh i i just that was my uh that was like a big brain someone texted me and they said you think cal would actually do that and i was like oh god maybe i'd be surprised but uh yeah that feel that feels like it would just uh depending on how it went it would just feel like the same problems would just kind of crop up you know more or less immediately because of course there's such comparable circumstances so uh, yeah i'd be i'd be surprised but take yeah. neither confirm nor disconfirm. So there you go. There's the. I'm just plan. saying that that was the big brain, uh, like big play there. That John Calipari is planting the seed to make his move to Chapel Hill, even though he has a lifetime contract. We know how that goes. Kyle, you have some more news. What is the spun saying? Can you read us some of these headlines? I'd like to end with the spun, but okay, uh, because yeah, you brought it up. Spun. 
because you brought it up, I'll just say it's just another great headline. Meet the Kentucky women's basketball player everyone is obsessed with. Everyone being the key word here. And uh, I'm just pulling it up. She seems I'm like a, you know, up. she seems like a, a normal, normal person. I, I haven't heard of her. And that's, you know, that's not an indictment because I'm not the guy. But even though I am taking this time off to learn. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, I think she's a transfer from Oregon. I want to say if I can remember, it's basically this, this whole, this is maybe like, I don't know, four pages. If it was a Google doc, of just <laughs> photos from her Instagram. Yeah. Uh, from Oregon. It looks like yeah, it was an easy blog post for whoever put that up. Yeah. Right. Super not easy. A lot of, yeah. Not a lot of deep diving. Yeah. Maddie sure is the name. Is she, you think it's like, it looks like Kerr, but it's sure. There's no stats at the end. At the end, it just says best of luck in your senior year comma Maddie no stats we have no idea anything about her other than she has a social media following is there just shout out to this like is there someone writing these stories or is it just like AI this This might be AI I don't know this this is incredible either so senior guard has developed a major following it's easy to see why horny AI Wow, man! <laughs> New innovation, horny it's, AI. It's it's I, a real it's a billion dollar industry. Setting OnlyFans on fire. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was gonna say I don't really know what we what I can what we could say about this. Honestly, I, all I know I I can say this: I have never in my life watched a women's basketball game and been like, I'm I'm here to watch hot girls play basketball. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it is interesting. That, that's not like a that's not like a it feels like a weird lane to be in where you're just trying to scout teams to see where hot girls are. But again, I don't know what AI is up to, so we'll Shout let them do the what spun. they're doing. I just, you know, you know my process. It's it's college basketball news, copy and paste, and some links. I, I go about seven, eight tabs deep just to see if there's anything good that slipped through the cracks. And lo and behold, on page two or three, it's meet the new sensation that everyone's obsessed with, and right. uh, and uh, not because she's good at what she does, apparently. But uh, well, I mean, who we, knows? Maybe she is though. That's the whole thing. Is these things really bother me? What it's like? This is like this is in the college basketball news. And you just, you haven't, all you said is where she went to school. Do you even know? Like, did she start? Yeah. Did she not? Like, is she going to be a major player this year? We just is don't know. We show, things to look we, out for. It's we like, don't nope, know, here's Kyle. her Instagram. And here's, yeah, we, uh, here's some ads. We don't know. So we should we in the future just have a, a segment that we just call bonk, basically? Like, just, we don't even really have to say anything. We're just like, all right, buddy, bonk. Like, right. uh, you know, maybe maybe right. that's the way to go about this. All right. right. Sure. And just, and not just Kyle, leave it the there. person who wrote this article. Shout out to the spun. Yeah, the spun, they don't miss, uh, especially if you're a hot girl that plays college basketball. They will find you. So good luck out there. Caitlin Clark, we love on the show. Um, and that's because she's great at basketball. You know what I mean? That's a, We're watching the game here on the show. Um, oh, Kyle, th- any more headlines? Any yeah, more I got, headlines? Two, I got yeah, two more. One, it sounds like the writer strike is hitting pretty hard because uh, it seems like UConn and uh, Coach Donovan is going to be followed around with camera crews and he'll be having a little mic strapped to his chest. So I guess you win the tournament, you get a doc. Uh, it sounds like Amazon might be one of the players looking to to try to grab this up, but um, I guess uh, I guess you know the I think the writer strike is really taking a toll on some of these providers, and they're like, all right, let's go unscripted. So um, I don't know how much you 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 wanted to see of Coach Donovan, but it sounds like you might be getting a lot. And I was talking to Kyle Mann, and he said that you know this happened with Kentucky. Would you say twenty after the twenty twelve season? And uh, yeah, they got just, they, it came out, and it was fine, right? It was it is it wasn't amazing, whatever. Mm. They need to follow Dan Hurley. You run the risk of like your your run it back season being kind of a dud, which was what happened to them that season. But you know, it's every every you know, it's good marketing. It'd be good for UConn, you know, so they can, you know, reestablish themselves just to continue reestablishing themselves as like a cool basketball brand and good for the Big East too. So it could it could be a good thing. I don't know. It could be good for Donovan Klingon too. 
Maybe yeah, Rick Pitino. Yeah, right. Yeah, somehow, somehow <laughs> he's in there when they play each other. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, that's what everybody wants is the Patino. That's, oh that's my what God. we want. I think we should be making it, honestly. I think that's what we Hard knock style, whatever. Yeah, that's that's the oh best. Oh, my God. We should have Rick Patino narrating his own doc. That's what we need. <laughs> and then we just put in supplemental clips as we can find it. And it's just like first-person stories. Um, that would be incredible. You mentioned UConn and the brand. Shout out to the Mamba brand because they uh, they got their schools and UConn is one of them. Kentucky is one of them. So Kobe Bryant's brand with Nike, they, they are officially sponsoring seven universities right now. Um, like I said, the two big ones that really stand out obviously are Kentucky and UConn national champs. Um, it's great because Kobe would always be asked what school he was going to go to. Sometimes he would say Duke. Sometimes he would say Carolina. Sometimes he would say whoever was asking him in front of him. Um, but Kentucky, this is a big win for the brand and if you're nike and you're one of these kids that's like you know all these younger kids love the mama mentality like this is great for recruiting for for uh kentucky and yukon so uh great for the mamba brand great for everybody and uh great for the bryant family to kind of like be involved with basketball and gg wanted to play at yukon so it's great for the women's team so that was a nice story like within the the, the brand building we were just talking about that was good so shout out to the mamba brand Right. I don't want to be Great. petty, but I thought it would be a little more exclusive. You know, it's like, you know, I thought Kentucky had kind of cornered something that was going to be a unique thing. And it's just like, you know, it's like it's a, bunch of, a bunch of teams here. Like, I, right. I don't know. I mean, no, it I, happened I, with yeah. Jordan Brand, too. I'm like, why is Marquette wearing Jordan Brand? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, what the like, hell's happening? <laughs> it's like, um, but you know, whatever. At the end of the day, it's, it is good. But I like it. it is interesting that we went from, you know, Co- the Kobe family the sort of the breakup they had with Nike to we're all the way here now. So I don't know. I, I'm for it though. Whatever. We'll take it. Smart move by Phil Knight, by the way, because I think breaking up with Kobe, that that was all very mishandled on the front end. So I think they, they've done a good job to like handle it on this end uh, and figure it out. So that's good. Uh, Kyle, last headline. Let's last do it. one. Shout out to Phil Knight. This one's Bob Knight. We're going to end on a funny one. The National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum on Wednesday unveiled two limited edition bobbleheads, which I've sent you a link to, one of which is hilarious. Uh, the first one is just kind of him and his you know, signature red sweater, while the second one, he's throwing a chair in the Bobblehead Museum, and that's where he'll <laughs> be forever. This is paying tribute to his uh, iconic chair-throwing incident against Purdue. Uh, in February of 1985. And I just think that's great. I don't like to go too long without him getting brought up. And um, I think that's great. He's going to be in a museum throwing a chair. It's exactly what Bob Knight would want. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I think at the end of the day, like he is one of the most influential coaches in basketball history. Also, I love Bob Knight because he immediately watched and coached Michael Jordan in 1984 and said, this guy's the best basketball player ever. Um, And he always kind of stood uh, firm in that decision. So I, I'm a man of Bob Knight. I'm a fan of Bob Knight. And I'm looking at this bobblehead right now, and this is absolutely ridiculous. So this is... Uh, perfect. It's, it's honestly perfect. And, you know, there was always this weird kind of air where you couldn't really talk about Bob Knight because Indiana fans, some of them were mad, some of them weren't. They've, they've figured it out. They've shook hands. Mike Woodson is a Bob Knight guy. Everyone's happy. Everyone's good. So it's nice that Bob Knight can laugh about it and be in a bobblehead museum. That's probably the right museum for him to be in. You know what I mean? Like there's some other museums (laughs) we should keep him out of, but I think bobblehead's pretty good. It is a perfect, you know, clown nose on a, yeah, it's googly eyes on something. Uh, No, on something serious. I I think another, like one one, one of the, other moments from his career that they could have sort of uh, memorialized here was when he on his coach's show 
uh, acted like he was going to have the Purdue athletic director come out and he had a, an actual donkey come yes. out and he <laughs> pretended to interview the donkey. You know, and he's awesome. implying that he's an ass. Obviously, if you're not able to do that math at home, uh, that, that, that was <laughs> another one of his all time moments. So uh, I, I, that would have been a good one. You, you know, a nice bobblehead donkey. He had so many great moments on his TV show back in the day. And honestly, like the behind the scenes of it, like one time I remember he was like getting, they asked him a question about like subbing someone out late in the game or whatever. And he just like stares at the guy and he rips his mic out. And he like walks <laughs> off the set and everyone's like, what the hell just happened? Like that's Bob Knight. You know what I mean? That's why he's perfect in the bobblehead. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. And you can't spell bobble without Bob. So there you go. Um, Bob Knight, bobblehead Knight. There Bob you go. Bobbly Knight. Yeah. There yeah. We go. Bobbly Knight. We'll leave it at that. Um, guys, anything else before we get out of here? This was fun. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking about basketball. And uh, even though Kyle was upset, we talked for an hour about USA basketball. It was needed, Kyle. Okay. It's yeah, a big topic. Everyone's fired up about it. So it had to happen. Uh, anything else, guys? I'm all set. I'm good. I think yeah, we're good. I think we All got right. it. <laughs> I think we got it. Look, we've been here for like 90 minutes. Appreciate everyone. Look, it's been uh, a week without it. So we're happy to be back. Appreciate everyone tuning in. We will be back next Monday. And all Mondays moving forward, as far as I can tell, uh, I have no more weddings, uh, you know, in my book. So that'll be good. Uh, this is One Shining Podcast. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you on Thursday. <laughs>